Hello and welcome to Mega City Book Club, the podcast all about the galaxy's greatest comics. I'm Eamon Clark and my guest is one third of the Awesome Comics podcast. He's all of Never Iron Anything. He's the co-creator of Atomic Hercules, Flesh and Ink, George Mayhem and many more comics. It's a warm welcome back to the bad boy of British comics, Tony Esmond. <laughs> Hello, man. You're right. Yeah, I'm fine, Tony. How are How's you? How's it going? Yeah, okay. The the uh, the variant is storming the UK. I'm batting down, but otherwise I'm okay. Yeah. Good. Now, I was going to surprise you with a little left field question first before we start talking about today's book. Oh, okay. You've watched all the fil- all the films, Tony. Uh, you've seen many an action film, good and bad. And I was thinking the other day, you were the perfect <laughs> person for me to ask about John Carpenter's movies. Oh, okay. Because I know we were talking about one online a while ago. What's John Carpenter's best film? Oh, I don't know. I'll tell you who's the biggest fan of him is um, Dave Kennedy or uh, Vince from oh, the right. ACP. Um, personally, I mean, I think you've got to go with the thing, I would say. But I'm a big fan of Big Trouble in Little China. I think that's uh, more of a fun one. Right. Um, I think if you give that one a go. Are you lining something up for Christmas, are you, to watch? Yeah, well, I'm just thinking I'm, I probably will watch the thing, you know, where people are all trapped indoors and everybody's very tired and nobody trusts anybody. <laughs> <laughs> um, that feels appropriate. Um, I've got a personal favourite of um, Assault on Precinct 13. Um, oh yes I do like that yeah I rewatched that with my son recently who hadn't seen it and uh, yeah even he was like oh guys you know yeah I remember watching that the same week as I watched The Warriors and there's a similar similar energy I think between the two of them and both both really good yeah very similar yeah. vibe okay well let's get to book club yep. stuff tell us what is okay. the interesting choice you've chosen to come back with I've asked to come on to talk about Raptor a so-called graphic novel by Dave McKing. Um, something we both talked about, you know, in messaging before, haven't we? It's um, 126 pages. Uh, it's rated 15 plus on Comicsology, which I was surprised about. Um, released the 28th of July this year, and it's. Uh, I've got. I understand. I understand there is a hardback, but I've got like the softback, dark horse version of it, and it was uh, 24.99 from Gosh. There you go. Yeah, and mine is the same edition, I think, the softback, uh, large format, uh, sort of European album size. Uh, yeah, French flaps. French flaps. Oh, that's is that what they're called? I think so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> if okay. not, I'm in trouble. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> All right, so this is very interesting. Dave McKean, uh, I mean, it's entirely Dave McKean, really, isn't it, I think? Yeah. The whole thing, uh, the whole kit and caboodle. Why have you chosen this one, Tony? I think, to be fair, I was never a fan of McKean. I suppose I always thought of him a bit like um, prog rock for comics, I suppose. I've never been a particular gaming fan, so I never really followed that side of things um, until I was given Black Dog to review for Down the Chews, John Freeman's site, and I absolutely was in love with it. Absolutely loved it. It's one of the favourite things I think I've ever read. And I really sort of tuned into him from that point. I'd read Arkham Asylum before. I'm not super taken with it, you know. And I went on to, and I was waiting with bated breath for his next book, one of which uh, I don't think made it into the public realm, but this one did. And I rushed down to Gosh to buy it the day it came out, and I, I absolutely adored it. And I think I messaged you that day with some images from it. Yeah, just an incredibly beautiful book that sort of appeals to that science fiction fantasy side of my um, my sort of reading choices as well. I think you know. Okay. Well. 
Talking about science fiction and fantasy, give us a quick pricey of what the book is about, which is a complicated and tricky one to yeah. ask you, but yeah, see how you get on. Yeah, it's not a straightforward book, this is it, uh, at all. So there's two stories that run through it. The first story you're exposed to within the book is in a kind of barren future. Um, and there's a man walking through the wastelands, and he's got this, this hawk which changes sizes depending on what it's doing. And it attacks this sort of huge beast that's in the mists. And you then flip to the, um, I think it's the 19th century, is that right? Yeah, um, sort of turn, of the, say. turn of the 19th century into the 20th, I think, thereabouts, isn't it? Okay, yeah. And there's this, um, there's this guy, I think he's a writer, he's called Arthur, he lives in Wales, and his wife has died, and he's writing about it. And he also dabbles in... Um, the um supernatural society near to him at the time and he has this sort of buddy who comes around his house and they talk and he sort of experiments in that but the book that he written he's writing gets discovered by the character called Sokol who is the character in the future um and he reads it and there is won't ruin anything but there's a kind of a meeting between the two in a way um towards the end of it um and it's kind of two stories that run parallel. I know we both looked into it a bit, and there's there's a lot going on there. There's a lot of sort of a lot of nature, a lot of loss, um, a little bit of PTSD. Um, there's some sort of critiques of government and how it's run, um, which sounds all very dry, but it, it's done so. It's done in at least three different visual styles, which I just I just find to be really interesting. And if there's a man who knows what he's doing, it's Dave McKean. You know. Yeah, absolutely fascinating. Um, and that's kind of the where the story sits. Yeah. Okay. So as you say, we've got the sort of fantasy future, uh, sort of bleak science fiction world of Raptor, or Sokol, I think is the name of the yeah. character, isn't he? And then the real life story of Arthur Macken, the the author. Uh, yes. Who was this was based on his own experience because he'd lost his wife. His wife had died of, uh, I think she died of cancer after a sort of you know an unpleasant illness. I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you've ever come across that his sort of novella story, The Great God Pan. You know, it's got this reputation as one of the great horror stories of all time. No, I haven't. But I haven't. But I did look it up um, when I when you sent me that this is what it's about because it's quite it's a hard, a hard book to discern really. And I've heard him talk about it. He doesn't elaborate a lot on that that old author but he wrote quite a few things didn't he he was um he was uh, um McKean describes him as um rural horror i believe is the phrase he uses yes well um, we'll come back to rural horror in a moment uh, right, okay yeah yeah okay so tell us about dave McKean then do one of your uh, signature sort of potted histories of dave McKean that you do on your never iron anything podcast for us tony <laughs> <laughs> well, Dave McKean, um, he's an English creator. He's um, from Maidenhead. Just finding my page. Yeah, born uh, December 1963 in Maidenhead. I have to say, if anyone, if you watch any interviews with him, I think we kind of see McKean as this sort of highfalutin, arty, you know, arty character. But he does emphatically state in every interview that comics is his first love and his main love, which I kind of admire, really, especially for those who've seen his sort of musical performances and his uh, his movie stuff. Um, he 
um, made comics at art school and sold them at Comic Mart, at so the London Comic Mart. Um, his first published story was in a book, Mr. X, which is uh, Bill Martz, um, who was the editor and I think writer at the time of it, was at a UK comic convention, which I'm guessing must have been UCAC. And Dave just sort of turned up and gave it to him and he published it. Um, famously, Paul Gravett um, saw the self-published comics that Dave had been making with his buddies and wanted to put him into a magazine... Um, that was called Borderland, which had been created at the time, which actually never saw the light of day. But what Gravette did do is he put Neil Gaiman and McKean together, and they obviously worked on a, on numerous sort of projects and still do, I think. Um, also around at that time was Disraeli and Mark Buckingham as well, um, who obviously went on to work, you know, in the prog and in Marvel and elsewhere. Um, and then we got Violent Cases came out from Gaiman and McKean. Um, which is which is an interesting one. It's a short story of Gaiman's, never written originally as a comic strip that came out, was then sort of converted into comic and came out. And then Jeanette Kahn, Dick Giordano and Karen Berger, all three of them met with Gaiman and McKean. And um, Gaiman, the tenth thing Gaiman pitched apparently was the Black Orchid, um, which is a sort of minor DC character even then. Um, and they went for that one, and obviously that, that's. I don't think he's looked back since then. He, he, McKean speaks very highly of Giordano and says that he, he absolutely loved comic art. He, he took him to an exhibition and just showed him around a load of comic art, and they couldn't stop talking about it. Um, and yeah, and, and from there on, McKean's worked well, pretty much. I'm going to say pretty much in every sort of medium. Really, he's, he illustrates a lot of books, does a lot of album covers, he's made movies, um, he performs music. He knows everything, but he still does go back to comics. He's done plays, and then now yeah. he seems to be bringing out these lovely um, European album-type books. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's about five years since Black Dog, which we'll perhaps mention in a moment. Arkham Asylum, obviously, with Grant yeah. Morrison, that pretty much set them up, I think, the pair of them, didn't it? Yeah, I think doesn't Morrison refer to it in that documentary as the house that Arkham bought or something like that, I yeah. think, doesn't he, where he lived? Um, yeah, something like that. You and I have probably both watched YouTube uh, interviews with Dave McKean in his studio, um, where he yeah. seems to have a pretty nice setup, and he seems to have a pretty good. You know, he's creative. He's got he's got a studio full of books and comics, and he's got his various drawing and painting and music spaces, and he's you know, it's not bad really, is it, to be that yeah. creative and be able to just keep it- sort of tinkering away absolutely idyllic isn't it it really yeah. is it's sort of he's got this sort of this huge thing that's bigger than my house with two floors and the top floor he says that's where i do all the computer stuff and i draw down here and you i think the the lakes did one the lakes comic art festival did a, a video there and you, they scan along his bookshelves and if you look right at the top it's all bagged comics right i think he says when he was eight he got bought um a copy of issue three of mighty world of marvel um, the UK title, and um, by his by his mum when he was sick in bed off school, and he says he's loved comics since then. Um, nice that he remembers that as well. You know, nice British reprint there as well. And you and I, you know, on your podcast, we've talked about Mighty World of Marvel as being um, yeah an introduction for many of us into uh, comics. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's great stuff. Yeah. All right. So turning back to this book, McKean is, shall I say, he's well known for mixing his artistic styles and doing a bit of everything and his famous covers where there's collage and all sorts of added elements. And you mentioned that there's at least two or three distinctive styles within the pages of this book. I mean, what did you make of the artwork in here? 
I, I, I mean, I loved it all. I think I, I really do admire all of it. The, um, I was particularly immediately taken with the initial story, which is a kind of less is more, um, three or four colours at the most, um, track across the wilderness. I mean, he draws the hell out of a tree. I don't know. He, I, it's a funny thing to say, isn't it? But McKean can really draw a tree. And he does this work that happens in the mist and I'm guessing on a beach or something. And and that is absolutely beautiful. And just incredibly um I don't know, there's very few faces in it, it's more shapes and sizes and stuff. And then we get the stuff um with the writer in um Wales, the in the um nineteenth century. Um and that is much more defined, I'm gonna say. I don't know what you think. Eamon, do you think that, or yeah, I mean, how do you it, feel about that? It's a different style. The thing I noticed about it, which I noticed in Black Dog, was he when he's doing the sort of writer and his friends conversing, he seems to slightly exaggerate the head size. Yeah. So they look slightly bigger than the rest of, you know, in proportion to the rest of the body. So he seems to sort of exaggerate the features, I thought. Um, whereas... Yeah, there's... I, it reminded me of a like early punch or something like that in a weird way. Yeah, you're right. There's there's almost a grotesquery exaggeration caricature thing going on. He doesn't make them particularly beautiful people or anything like that. They're um, they're the they're, they're like modelled in clay almost. You know, I, I kind of get that sense of them. Um, and also the colouring he uses. He uses a lot of flat colours in the modern day, in not modern day, but in the more you know the the the, the Welsh the Welsh scenes um, that lays it flatter on the page somehow um and memory comes back up in sort of mustard yellow and they sit in bluey green and gray and yeah really interesting and but he throws in little doses of color so at one point they're drinking red wine and it and it's the only real dash of color on the page is the red in the glasses um yeah i absolutely love it he did the same with black dog when he um although slightly more grotesquely caricatured i think in some of the scenes when you when there's the group of men talking in black dog i know you've read it recently haven't you i have yes and i mean that's let's just mention black dog that's an interesting book um the dreams yeah. of paul nash um i mean i'm guessing yeah. some of our listeners won't be familiar with these two books tony what's black dog about so paul nash was a painter um from who who, who served in the first in the, the great war um, he suffered from shell shock um, and he wrote and drew a lot about what happened and he, he survived a while afterwards um, but this is both his experiences in the war um, the black dog being you know the the emblematic PTSD thing going on in it um, and it's the war it's before the war it's after the war and it's a lot of his dreams so it's more enactments of these dreams there's one point where he comes out of his house and he's surrounded by th- his house is surrounded by thorns and um it's it's an incredible book i absolutely love that book i think it's my probably my favorite that he's done and it was done um on the centenary of the great war it was done for i can't remember who for now off the top of my head. it was a sort of a yeah. commission for the 1418 um i don't know what they're called actually it was some sort of commission yeah. in a way wasn't it it was an artistic uh, project because the other thing about him you know he's got this idyllic artist life he's associated with various uh, endeavors um uh, like for instance he's resident storyteller or i suppose non-resident at the moment, <laughs> yeah um for the fat duck uh heston blumenthal's restaurant isn't he 
but this was yes yeah i was actually i was actually thinking we should do a trip there <laughs> um yeah genuinely like a few of us should go there because because it's not just it's like the walls and the menu and the you you tr- you the, the, each course you eat is representative it sounds pretty poncy doesn't it to be fair i can't imagine that you know our the, the regular 2008 readers like we would like, like enjoy it too much it sounds a bit too modern theater to me but there's got to be something going on there if it's if his art is art is on the walls i'm quite prepared to go and do it you know and we yeah. probably want to steal the menus because we've got his art. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, at least. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I can't find it. I've got the co- the copy in front of me because, as you know, I managed to pick up a copy. Oh, you got Yeah, they're not easy to find, actually. Yeah. I think uh, they're going to reprint them soon, aren't they? I think Dark yeah. Horse are doing it. It's in them, solicitations. Yeah. It's in what that what's it's in previews at the moment. So the end of January, oh, okay. I think, or early January, there'll be a new edition of Black Dog. And this is commissioned by... 1418 now and also by the lakes international comic art festival there you go oh okay there you go nice yeah. and it is you know it again it's that beautiful large format soft cover european and that will be available soon to buy again i managed to pick up a copy in of all places close encounters in peterborough the other day and i was sharing him oh you did okay yeah i had yeah. a trip out on the train tony i was allowed out for good behavior yeah <laughs> and i'm just looking back at raptor because in the early pages when it's so beautiful and it's sort of he's descending a set of steps down a cliffside to a beach with the the raptor hawk flying above him and i think that image which i'm looking at now of him sort of standing above the stone steps with the tree and the bird i think that was the image you you shared possibly on the awesome comics podcast slack channel that made me i think it was yeah yeah that made me go yeah i got All right i'm in yeah yeah i got super excited about it and i, I basically bought it I, my, I get my comics in gosh i bought it in gosh and walked around the corner and had a coffee waiting for a couple of buddies to come uptown i had like an hour to kill and i sat and read it then um it's it's a it's a strange book to, to know what it's about and i tend not to read reviews beforehand too much you know especially for stuff that from an artist i'm expecting to buy from anyway um and you you do start it and you think what is this about is it about a hawk you know is it about because you you initially don't see the man's face you think is he protecting his face from radiation you really don't know what it's about until you get halfway through at least i think you can't you can't figure out the motivations and you know i sometimes try and work out why a writer is writing stuff it sounds like a funny thing to say but maybe not that but maybe what he's going for what he's trying for and this book plays fast and loose with that and as i understand it from mckean so cool so the the future character is the main character isn't he um he's the one that mckean wants to do more with it's um it's the writer that he doesn't that is just a guest in that story so arthur's the guest in it if you see what i mean and um, so cool but yeah but there's not yeah. As you say, he may come back in future graphic novels. That's what he's, I've heard him say, yeah. I've heard him say that in a, in a couple of interviews, actually. Um, yeah, and it's... The, I've heard him talk about, only after you mentioned it, but I've heard him talk about um, Macken as well. But also that one of the main reasons for it was his this love he's got of um, birds and um, in, the, in the non-Cockney way. And he he goes out to um, the fields. He goes through, through lockdown. He would walk every day. And he's got this, like, mental, super expensive camera with a long lens. And he takes pictures of birds every day, he says. 
as part of his sort of morning ritual and he became quite interested in the um the, the I'm, I'm not sure what the was what's the the, the railway link they were they've just cancelled they were gonna uh, run it through hs2 um, yeah. yeah he he became sort of interested in that and the fact that they were destroying nature by doing it and i think part of the so-called part of the story came from that love of birds and nature and you know how will it survive in the future which i think speaks a lot to what we we see going in the in that third of the book you know or that half of the book i suppose and um, i noticed that the uh, the writer character arthur refers to his dead wife as his little bird and then there's quite a lot of imagery right. later on in the book where she seems to be possibly the spirit of the hawk or you know yeah. sort of dream sequences there's almost like a sort of sex scene where she's almost transforms into a hawk, I think. Um, yeah. It's all, I mean, it's all absolutely beautiful and just stunning to take it in, isn't it? Yeah, and that hawk sequence is done in, in yet another art style, isn't it? Yeah. It's done in this... Um, it's not even... It's hard. I don't know enough about, you know, the history of art to say what it is, but there's almost an abstraction to it, isn't there? There's. Um, it reminds me a bit of the work we saw on some of his sandman covers the the two colors intertwining the sort of just about figures going on uh yeah just and it's wordless as well that section isn't it yeah it's a wordless section um it's probably the most you know the most explicit sex scene we've probably had on this particular podcast but it's also as you say it's an abstract piece of artwork it's the sort of thing you could quite easily hang in a gallery without any problems i would have thought yeah you know, and it is yeah, it's another yet another art style in the middle of this book, uh, and the whole thing is just so beautiful. I mean, his artwork, um, his covers. Uh, you know, he does all as you say. He does all these album covers. Um, yeah. He switches styles. He just seems to have a lot of fun. I think with his artwork, and it you know, in some places, it's so expressive. Uh, yeah he plays with color so so well i thought i I heard him say i like drawing i like drawings that have a sense of fight about them almost like he's attacking the page and then he said he sort of did a double take and he says and i don't like drawing things in the right color (laughs) that's just like genius so he just objects to having things in like a boring banal color you know there's no real skin palettes going on is there um there's always something else going on and I, i like that about it um and you, have, I t- you and I have talked before about artists who look at things, look at the real world and think, well, I'm not going to depict it in that colour. I'm going to choose some unusual colours to do it. Uh, which yeah. brings me to the last time you were on the book club when Thistlebone, which, of course, is 2000 AD's famous oh, yeah, folk true. horror story, Simon Davis doing his interesting colouring choices. And you mentioned Arthur Macken and his sort of rural horrors. And it made me think, is yeah. this is Raptor a sort of folk horror? Um, or does it have some folk horror elements in it as well? Yeah, I think it does. I think it... Oh, it's hard, isn't it? Science fiction or horror tend to be a mishmash of things anyway, don't they? They do, yeah. Um, there's a lot of science fiction that is probably horror. And, you know, I think there is some folk horror in there i think i don't don't think that can be disputed but also you get that whole there's almost that satanistic fetishistic eyes wide shut you know 
kind of stuff going on with this secret society as well. It's like um, there's a bit of that gothic hammer horror thing going on as well with it, which I know can also cross over to um, folk horror. But, yeah, it's, it's a lot going on there. And I like to think that probably McKean isn't the sort of person who thinks I'd make, I'll make make a folk horror comic. He just thinks I'm going to make a comic about this. Um, and his interests play into that genre more than anything, I'm guessing. You know? Yeah. And then, of course... Um, you know, I've mentioned folk horror, but as you said yourself, it, the raptor, the so-called sequences, have this feel that we're in some sort of post-apocalyptic science fiction future uh, yeah. where something awful has happened, possibly related to these huge sort of monsters we glimpse in the mist that has, in a way, I guess, driven them back to a sort of feudal society where they hire this character to fight monsters for them it seems in the opening sequences at least yeah um and as you say we can we see him later on he's reading the book that arthur is writing yeah but there's some weird sort of time twisty stuff where the book seems the text of the book seems to change it's i mean you know yeah it's there's a lot going on in this one and then all done in his uh remarkable variety of art styles and i'm just going to say it again it's a lovely format for books isn't it it's amazing yeah i mean you could quite i mean i don't suppose i've read this like four times now i don't suppose i understand it do you know what i mean i don't i don't suppose anyone totally understands it other than dave but the there's something you could you could look you could buy this book and just look at it and get your money's worth easily i think it's just so beautiful there's just so many little touches and you talk about that hawk at the beginning the 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 sort of almost um saucer like blank eyes of the hawk um in comparison to the the round eyes of the mask of the human and there's so many uh, mirrored effects going on this you know which mirrors you know, you've even got this man in the future and this man in the past reading the same book at the same time almost, you know, um, and the words changing. There's there's that comparison thing going on, which I absolutely loved. The only thing that I didn't kind of get was every interview I've seen with McKean, I've watched maybe three or four of him talk about this. He seems to mention this idea that there's um, he wrote the book partly to be about local or about government corruption, which I can see happens. It just didn't seemingly fit with the narrative to me. I don't know about you. It's not a huge part of the story, really, is it? Um, there's a little no. bit in the sort of framing device, I suppose, with so-called meeting this these characters on the beach who are paying him, but then and there's this them... gold coin that's yeah. the you know the money, yeah, yeah. No, as you say, you could read it several times, and I didn't quite get that bit, but the, it just goes to show, I suppose, that there's an awful lot of layers in this book. And it's just fabulous to have it. Yeah. And I suppose I should mention, you know, theoretically a 2000 AD podcast, although I think this counts as British comics, doesn't it, even though it's... Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Because he did that, Dave McKean did that cover for that um, Judge Dredd sketchbook. I don't know if you've seen that image. Oh, no, I don't think I saw that. Oh, right. Hey. I shall have to share that when this comes out. Um, yeah, he's done a Judge Dredd cover at least, so, it, you know, it qualifies this book. <laughs> Now, we're recording yeah. in 2021, um, Tony. Yeah. We've had this book come out in July, but also yep. this year we've had another huge, um, large book by another artistic genius, Barry Windsor-Smith's Monsters, which has been yep. somewhat long-awaited, would I say? God, yeah. <laughs> I mean, 
this was a I can't remember even when the Hulk comic came out that was a rip you know they, that ripped him off allegedly the um oh is is it like 30 years something like say. that yeah 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 off the top of my head and yeah I mean we we talk about this don't we quite a lot Eamon it's like what a year yes we've had these books come out oh my god yeah and if you factor in something like Black Sad, Black Sad as well that came out a couple of months ago it's like Christ what a year well, it's, I mean, you know, it's it's great time to be collecting these books. Um, we won't get into yeah. too much details about monsters, which is a huge tome. But I mean, compare it's. I suppose it's uh, comparing apples and pears. But comparing Raptor to yeah. Monsters, which was your favourite read of the year? Uh, this gear. Yeah, when uh, when are you putting this out? <laughs> Cause, uh, yeah, we're doing our best of this Sunday. But oh, well, I see. To, well, to spoil it, until... that's fine. Yeah. That's fine. That's fine. The because um, I don't make no bones about it. Raptor's my favourite. Right. Um, although I appreciate them both, and I think they're they're both brilliant. Um, they're like you say, they're very different. Um, for a comic that started as a Hulk story, monsters, it's not really about a monster. It's about the people around him and him becoming the monster. You know, there's very little what you would normally describe as Hulk action in this comic. Um, there's more, there's multiple pages of domestic abuse, for example, within a family unit. There's um, an affair that goes on. There's all sorts of things going on. It is, in many ways, a book of talking heads, but because Barry Windsor does it, Barry Windsor Smith does it in this black and white style that is so utterly beautiful, um, it's it's quite entrancing as well. Um, what about you, you um, Amy? What do you, what do you think is your favourite? I think looking at if you want to look at black and white artwork, yeah. then the the you know his line work Barry Windsor Smith's line work is just fabulous. It is just such, such a huge thing that I you know I need to read it again. I think to whereas Raptor at least you can yeah. read it. You know I've, I've read it now two or three times. You read it four times. Um, I think in terms of one to hold in my hand and carry away with me to my Christmas desert island, I'm going to pick Raptor as well, actually. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that may be influenced by the fact that you probably read Black Dog as well recently. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. I think they're very I, much companion pieces, I think. Yes. And, I think, and you know, I think it's great that they're in the same format because, they, you know, they match up on the shelf. And, uh, of course... We look forward to another one now, and hopefully it won't be five years. Yeah. Uh, as you say, there was another book he was going to bring out in between, which was perhaps had an ill-advised title and got um, got cancelled before it yeah, started. Yeah, that's a real shame. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a shame because I think um, there's no one in this world that um, could accuse of Dave McKean of being an insensitive creator. And um, I think... It deserved the benefit to be seen by people, I think. Yeah. That one for to allow people to make their minds up. Yeah. Um, which I think we should do with a lot a lot of things. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's a shame. Yeah, maybe one day, maybe one day we'll see it. Okay. But hopefully we'll see another so uh, so called graphic novel album in this format before too long. And yeah, Monsters by Barry Windsor Smith also highly recommended. I think the last time we spoke I was sort of leaning towards monsters, but I'm at the okay. moment I'm sort of uh yeah i know what you mean it's god god bless it i love it but it's quite a slog at times yeah. <laughs> monsters you know yeah. occasionally there's moments in it it's 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 
it's, it's wrong to call it a soap opera because it's, it's about some terrible things but there's a lot of interrelation interplay between families and you know she is she having an affair is she not having you know there's this sort of thing going on with it but uh um oh the other thing is he's um doing mckean is he's doing a book called nitrate which is an ongoing project he's doing with based on early cinema and the sort of the black and whiteness of it he's, he's doing a lot of images and like that so i'm i'm looking forward to seeing that and he's got um a load more of those folio editions i don't own any of them but uh i think some of them look pretty amazing the crime and punishment one he did um he, i saw on a video him flicking through some of the pages and you're like wow some of the pages that you know there's a lot of his illustrations in it i think he said he was asked to do 20 and he did like 300 or something mad um and so they're they're probably pretty amazing they're hardbacks thicker but the size of um raptor they're that sort of big and which look look absolutely gorgeous right now you and i share a lot of stuff uh on various messaging apps and one of the things you shared (laughs) with me before we recorded was a link to an american ebay auction where Dave McKean, or, or rather somebody is selling a little yeah. Dave McKean sort of self-portrait doodle sort of sketch he did, which I yeah. think when when I looked at it, it was over $1,000. So <laughs> That's nothing for you. You've got a moat. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to say that his artwork is probably going to be a bit expensive if we could afford yeah. it, Tony. Um, yeah. But let's play the Grail page game. Let's give you Raptor. Okay and get you to choose one or two images to share when this comes out as yours for the virtual art gallery that we have. Yeah. Um, if there's, um, I think it's the Comics Experience, which is the YouTube channel you can go to, and he does show the originals of some of these, and what he was drawing them as, he was drawing a lot of them, not all of them, but a lot of them as single panels on a single piece of paper, and then they were being put together in Photoshop. Uh, um, right, okay. So original art wise you might have to buy a few panels to make a page up but the um the one that i remember thinking as i was reading it and i read it on a you know saturday morning at half 10 in a starbucks and reading it and it's the one of the the churchyard with the funeral going on oh yes the double page spread yeah um and i remember just being blown away with that it's it's not simple but it looks simple in the way you know the way it's presented a lot of white space um, a lot of sort of negative space, I suppose. But the and um, I was chatting to Stephen Appleby earlier today, and he was saying, um, "Don't worry about it being a bit wonky. Sometimes wonky's good." And I think kind of there's a little bit of that going on here. Nothing is photograph perfect, and neither would I want it to be. And that double page spread it just blew me away. The color, I believe, is added in Photoshop. Right. It looked like it was just pencil. Um, pencil and ink possibly but yeah gorgeous double page spread of that so as you say there's a church there's a graveyard there's a funeral going on there's another tree of course yeah he as you say he draws the heck out of a tree (laughs) it really Um, does yeah. yeah and then there's all this sort of white sky or negative space around it it's a beautiful image isn't it it really is. Um, I think yeah. it was one of the first, you know, it was one of the pages that really stood out to me on my first reading as well, was you turn yeah. the page to that double page and you go, oh, wow, that's just... It, it, he talks a lot about that paying attention, again, on that Comics Experience interview, which, um, listener beware, it's got a terrible noise on it where I think his mic's rubbing on his jumper or something. But he talks about the attention he pays to what happens in the last panel of a page or at the end of a page and what certainly happens on a page turn. He, he says that he's obsessed with that 
that and that and you see that from this there's so many page turns that reveal things and take you to other places um what he calls it a transformative doorway i think is a, i believe the phrase he uses um and, and it really does that in this book you jump and it allows for that jump between scenes and jump between um environments and you know dimensions as he calls it by flipping a page it's incredible when you think how um how a book like this can carry you away into a story you know and with his change of art style suddenly you're just back into something else um on a page turn gorgeous absolutely gorgeous yeah sorry mate, i interrupted your page no, choice no uh, that's all right it's fantastic <laughs> i mean yeah. um, you know we often talk about the gutters what's going on between panels but of course yeah that thing that comic books do which is the page turn um yeah. and sometimes i guess in an anthology like 2000 ad you're a little bit of sort of you know the beholding of the editor and the ads or whatever's on that you know as to when you're going to get yeah. the page turn but when you especially do- when they're bit, they're put into a trade as well the yeah that's kind of lost sometimes a bit you know but then maybe that's the charm of it you know yeah but of course when he's doing his own thing he can set his own pace and then he can do a reveal yeah. of a double page like that um yeah, yeah fantastic I might pick actually that original image that you shared of the of him descending the steps um, on the cliff with the you know he's got his mask on in the top panel, the oh, bottom right. left panel's got the hawk flying above him and some beautiful trees, and then oh, like yeah. a little bit of text and colour and sort of almost like there's blood. What is it? It's yeah, dripping washed. down the steps. Yeah. Or, yeah. Uh, loose silt flow, pulse and flow the land is breathing gently so I'm going to pick that one and I'm going to post okay. those images um, I don't think we can afford these pages Tony no but <laughs> maybe we need to plan another another burglary another the, heist um, yes another he, he, comics heist he talks about this um, about his lettering and he's asked the the interviewer I can't remember which one it was on now but the interviewer just presumed that he'd created his own lettering you know a la Dave Gibbons in Watchmen and stuff and he said no I just bought that lettering it just seemed to fit and then he talks about translucent word balloons and it wasn't then that I suddenly realised that's what he's doing so if you look at some of his word balloons they don't they're not block white there's there are there's a layer and you can see through to what's going on behind um, which is interesting I thought you don't see that much. Uh, Andy Bloor does it a bit with his artwork, I think, but you don't always see that. And um, I'm kind of pleased because it's not really covering up loads of, you know, at least you get through to see what the artwork's doing behind it sometimes. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, I'm looking at those pages where uh, he's in a sort of pub. Oh, I love that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that would have been my second choice for a, um, a page. A um, the one the boozer. Yeah, he's just sitting, at, I was sitting on the bar. Next to him is this huge hawk sitting at the bar with him. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, yeah, Uh, yeah, fantastic. And the slightly the weird, the weird bloke at the bar is talking to him. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, we've been there. But I mean, there's so much going on in this book. I'm just suddenly reminded of the, you know, he he does go on about transformation, transformative, you know, stories. And we we forgot to mention that Sokol is growing feathers under his shirt. You know, and you think, well, Dave McKean's is the one who, because I think he went to a lot is it called falconry i think it's called that yeah. isn't it he's doesn't his kid buy him a falconry course or something yeah and he's 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 clearly obsessed with birds <laughs> you're thinking like maybe he's seen more birds during the lockdown than he has people and that he believes he's turning into one you know there's all this sort of beautiful poetical type stuff going on it is an incredible book yeah there's a picture definitely. of him on the back page isn't there of a, of a hawk landing on his uh 
one of those hawkers gloves yes. and he's trying to he's leaning back trying to take a picture at the same time i think um so yeah, <laughs> yeah. um fantastic um so it is available for 24.99 from gosh comics and all good bookshops uh get your local bookshop to buy it and yep. look out for the new edition of Black Dog: The Dreams of Paul Nash, which is also coming out. In fact, will be on the should be on the shelves by the time this podcast comes out in early twenty. Ah, right. Is that soon? Yeah. Oh, good. That is that blew my mind. That book. That is so incredible. I was so hungover when I read that book on the train. I was on a long train journey on my way home, and I was so hungover. And I read that book, and it just you know sometimes the reading experience of where you do it and you know how you feel is a big effect on how you feel about a book and i think that's what happened to me right um yeah what a book yeah, yeah and i'll just absolutely. mention an episode of never iron anything the podcast episode 55 with ken reynolds where you do yeah Black love dog. ken um and that was a great episode yeah ken's great yeah love ken yeah top bloke yeah that was a really, he's really insightful in regards, in regards to that one yeah and Thanks, you can man. also find raptor on kindle and comiXology for 12.99 if you want the digital version Somehow, as ever, I've ended up with both, um, but I do love the uh, the format um, of the uh, the album size. So um, I'm looking forward to more of these. Yep. When we slab it, we won't. We'll be able to read it on the uh, the Kindle, won't we? Yeah. You slabbed a copy of Raptor. Yeah. yeah. I've only ever bought. I've told you this before. I've only ever bought one slabbed co- comic, and I took it out of the slab because I wanted the comic. I didn't want. The what slab. was the comic? I forgot you saying. I think it was a Spider Man issue. I was after for my. Um, my first hundred. Oh, ah, right. Yeah. Um, oh, nice. But there yeah. you go. I own one, and I bought it as a like some sort of stupid blogging experiment where I was going to buy a, a Shang Chi issue, a slabbed one, and then and then resell it. And I never got around to reselling it because I could never be bothered. So it's still sitting there. I must. I must break it open myself. Yeah. I suppose the archivists would be quite pleased to hear that they are actually quite hard to break into. <laughs> They're difficult yeah. things to open. Yeah. So that, I mean, that's obviously the point, yeah. Uh, but, you know, yeah. you can't play yeah, okay, the yeah. comic books. Yeah, that's a shame. They're sitting on a shelf above my head here, yeah. Yeah, I don't know what I'm going to do with it. Put it in the garage. <laughs> well, talking yeah. about garage projects or comic book projects, let's, <laughs> let's turn to guest projects, Tony. Tell us, first of all, about what we can find at neverironanything.com. Um, it's, it, it's just a sort of home for everything I do, really. It's... um. We stick the odd bit of promotion on there, the odd review. I um, and it's mostly home for some links and to the big cartel for stuff we're making, um, and the Patreon and um, and this and the podcast that I've done with you a number of times. That um, I sort of do a weekly podcast, which was a lockdown project, and we just talk about a particular comic that the um, the co-host decides to talk about. And um, we, we, we you, you always give me a huge project that's like six months amount of work that we managed to fit into a couple of weeks. We did the, pretty much the whole of EC Comics a few weeks ago. Um, we did uh, <laughs> Jack Kirby and Stan Lee yes. before that, which is a big E of ours, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's just fun, man. I sort of... Um, I got... You know, we are comic fans, aren't we? We're slightly sort of OCD. I just got really into it, into the into the learning about the stuff that we didn't and should know about in comics and um yeah it's been real fun i'm really enjoying it done a hundred it would would have been 110 episodes fantastic the lockdown comic podcast Mm. uh never iron anything and (laughs) uh by the time this episode comes out we'll probably be in lockdown again tony so (laughs) 
Um, it's, <laughs> it's looking that way. It is looking yeah. that way as we speak. We're recording this the week before Christmas, uh, but it won't be out till yeah. probably the end of January 22. Um, yeah, so okay. I guess the podcast, is it at the moment, you're still continuing, you're going to carry on? Yeah, I think so. Um, I keep telling you, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to go once a month i keep saying things to you like that don't i and then somebody will ring me up and say oh do you fancy talking about this and I'm like, oh yeah that sounds really good and then they ended up doing one or two a week um but uh, to be fair i was going to do two this week but the um the creator i'm talking to big shout out to steve um has got covid about an hour ago oh, no. so we're not doing one just doing one this week but uh um yeah, it's it's gonna continue till I can't be bothered with it anymore, which seems to be a, it seems to keep going. Yeah, I'm enjoying it. The amount I've learnt, man. I mean, we both said it before, and coming on with you, you know, on on this podcast, the stuff that I just would never have looked up or researched, um, like Simon Davis last time I came on with you, you know, it, yeah. just, you can get into all that comic stuff and all the other stuff they're doing and their origin stories and yeah, there's so much going on in comics that we just aren't aware of and we've done you and i both talked about european comics and stuff like that as well there's a lot of interesting stuff there it's fascinating to look up this stuff and learn about it um i mean it's just mm. you know it's an endlessly fascinating hobby we've got um thank goodness because there's so much <laughs> yeah. great stuff isn't there okay what a about couple your own... of pensioners talking about their comics yeah these two pensioners <laughs> you know sitting in rooms surrounded by books and comics and boxes of stuff it's a load of dirty paper in my loft. Dirty yeah, that's how it is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> dirty paper is a good segue to your own comics, uh, Tony. <laughs> what about tributepress.co.uk? Another. This started just before lockdown. To be fair, um, we just decided. Adam came to me. Adam Falp, who's um, big collaborator, um, came to me and said, um, "Do you want to write me a comic?" I end up writing him a comic, and it sort of snowballed from there. And we did. We've written eleven comics together. I've written eleven comics for him. He's just he's just drawing the eleventh at the moment. Um, we'd started a Patreon. We got Cliff Cumber, Daryl Thorpe, a couple of other guys involved. Sarah Ass did some work for us, um, and we just we're just having a ball making the comics that your parents probably wouldn't approve of, and neither does Twitter. And um, it's there's. I talk about it a bit occasionally, but there's a sort of, I think, a rise of the new underground. We're getting that sort of outlaw comics scene going on with little bits of kayfabe, some of the gut boys, bubble zine. Um, some of the UK guys as well are doing stuff. And um, yeah, it's just, it's just been fun. We, I, I honestly just write scripts to make Adam and Daryl laugh. Now that tends to be where I go with it. And uh, they, they cunningly know what they're doing. Always, if you're going to make a comic, always um, pally up. If you can't draw, pally up with an artist, but make sure he's a graphic designer as well. And then you, all you have to do is write stuff. I'll write it on the train and send it to them. It's easy being a writer. Um, yeah, we did, um, we've done a few cons and that. We did, uh, yeah, I, I sent you some pictures. We did the Satanic Flea Market last weekend. Um, yeah, how was that? Which was quite an experience. Yeah. Yeah, strange. Okay. <laughs> some, dude, some dude came to the table who had tattooed eyeballs that was a bit of a weird one right but everyone was super friendly it wasn't like we were saying as we were there you know you go to some maybe thought bubble or something some people are a bit snobby aren't they you know i don't like your stories you can see a man's knob in that one you know it's that sort of thing yeah. um at the standing field they were all like super friendly they were like opening our comics and laughing you know like it, it meant nothing to them i suppose if you're you know sacrificing goats to the back door it doesn't mean much to you does it but um <laughs> It was it was quite fun. Mark Stafford turned up. I saw Mark just to, to out Mark Stafford. He turned up. Um, 
uh, and bought a comic of mine actually we had a chat uh, Jason Atomic was there he's a, a 2000 AD dude he was yeah. at the 40th and often works at um, Orbital there was a little bit of a comics crossover there it was alright um, and we had a chuckle put it that way yeah and last time you were on we talked about George Mayhem your comic since then you've done Flesh and Ink with Adam I think uh, and yeah moment- that's with Adam so that was a sort of so Flesh and Ink's about a 1970s comic publisher who um, is based above a strip club in North London um, and fights Satanists. There you go. Back to the Satanists again. And um, we're doing something called Hank Fur at the moment, which is a... Oh, God. I'm sick of furries, aren't you? I know you're a big fan of them, but (laughs) the... (laughs) um, It's about uh, uh, the amazing um, BSing man who... um, who, look at me being polite on your podcast. <laughs> he, uh, who, uh, um, it turns out he may well be where all the big writers of comics from the 70s and 80s got all their stories. Um, but everyone thinks he's a big BSer. Um, but it turns out some of them are true. And uh, you find out why in the first issue. Yeah, and that's, that's the current one that's going on the Patreon. We're probably printed just after Christmas um, for people who aren't on the Patreon. But it's, um, we're not after, we're not, we don't, we only charge a sort of small amount. We just do it to get our comics out and, People seem to dig it. We put quite a lot of product out. And yes, it's just just a good little fun platform when you know there weren't that many shops open, I suppose. And I yeah. think I play something like one fifty a month and get sort of like daily comics coming through from the Patreon. Every weekday you get a comic, and then um, once a month you get a, like a stupid, really ridiculous podcast that we do, um, which is just us swearing at each other. Um, and the good thing about Patreon as well is because it's kind of firewalled, you can play whatever music you want on as well, which is quite cool. Um, so we, we do it we do it as like a fake radio station. Um, and then we put other stuff up there, fan art and, um, or reader art and uh, little articles and reviews. And there's a lot of – it's a quite nice little space for people to talk about stuff. Um, we had a few discussions about a couple of the comics we've stuck up. And, uh, yeah, it's good stuff. But at the moment, Daryl's killing it. Daryl Thorpe's killing it on um, Hank Fur. We're really, I'm really enjoying that. Great stuff. And again, you'll find the links to Tony's work in the show notes for this episode and on the website. And Thank you, man. talking about great comics discussion, the Awesome Comics podcast just carries on from strength to strength. Weekly podcast discussing everything that's great in comics, really. Yeah, I think so. I mean, and hopefully by the time you listen to this, you will have been on it again. Yeah. Um, I will. Because you're coming on for the Christmas quiz. I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> me and David of this the, parish are uh, doing the quiz yes as i named the the, the daemons as the we called you yeah i like that um, which you didn't you, yeah yeah i think i didn't get much reaction first time when i messaged you two about that but i think it's going all right now I had and to hear um, it every well. year we have a quiz <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't until i heard you say it that i realized what it was yeah <laughs> <laughs> and um yeah, with so far the boys are I think three for three or four for four against other podcasts. So you're the big challenge now, my friends. Oh, this is no. the big, no pressure. Uh, big, uh, big daddy versus giant haystacks grudge fight here. We, we got coming up, and uh, yeah, um, we got to see who's going to win this one. So it's uh, um, Damon's already messaged me saying he's off to do some revision. Right. So okay. we'll see what's happening. I haven't written the questions yet, so um, you know my PayPal address if I you do, want to yes. get in contact. <laughs> <laughs> So the Awesome Comics podcast uh, is great stuff with Vince and Dan, and that continues. And I'll mention 
the ACP Slack channel, which is such a friendly, supportive, great place to discuss comics and music and movies and uh, and everything. And, of course, you also... Jane McDonald. Jane McDonald, yes, of course, um, who sadly is not a member of the Slack channel. But, you know, if you want details... We wish uh, she was. Yeah. <laughs> check out the, uh, the links <laughs> in the show notes to find out more. Tony, Thank I've got, you, man. Cheers. No worries. Oh. I've, Tony, I've got one more question for you. Um, you mentioned cool. the satanic flea market because we've also been to some of the comic events that have started up again um, in one of the lulls yeah. during the pandemic. Um, so we went to Meanwhile, the new one in Coventry. We've been, we've met up at least at one of the comic marts in London. And, of course, we both were at Thought Bubble. You were tabling, I was wandering around. What do you think? Yeah. Um, I mean, first of all, there's two questions. What makes a good convention? And I suppose we have to ask at the moment, what is the future of conventions in this time of COVID? Yeah. And I think it doesn't seem to be stopping, does it? It just seems to be a sort of non-stop nightmare at the moment. But, it does, yeah. Um, from a point of view of what makes a good convention, I I'm a big proponent that comic conventions should be comic for comic fans. I think a comic fan of any kind of comics, whether it be 2000 AD, American comics, underground comics, small press comics, you know, art comics, should be able to turn up at that event and buy comics and interact with fellow fans and creators. And that's that's what I think we're losing at the moment. We seem to be either going to small press events, which are full of small press people buying each other's comics, and the snake eventually will eat itself on that. Or um, we tend to have these things that are full of Funko Pops and you know somebody who was once in Star Wars in the background. I, sort of, I think we really need to go back to that feeling, um, I hate to be an old fuddy-duddy, of, of UCAC or maybe Bristol or the early days of Thought Bubble, where... You could go and buy a bag full of comics. There was no long boxes at Thought Bowl. Um, meanwhile, had very few as well. Yeah, there um, wasn't really any back issues at Thought at, uh, at either of them that I could find. Me neither. Yeah, I think we need a combination of the Comic Mart and of um, a comic convention. So you can go and chat to Pat Mills or John Wagner or whoever it is you want to chat to. Um, but you can also buy back back issue comics, and you can also chat to people making their own comics. I think there's, I think. We need that combination back again. Um, and the numbers at Thought Bubble were big. I'm told there were more people at Thought Bubble this year than there were at the, the previous event pre-COVID. Um, that's what they're saying anyway. Right. Seems um, extraordinary, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the 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 line for... I ended up going to MCM because the guy who publishes our comics in America was, was there, so I ended up having to go. And the queue for that was a flipping mile long. Was it? Um, so yeah, I mean, I know they're just going to get to see that bloke who was Loki or something, but yeah. there, there were surprisingly a lot of back issues at MCM. I'd like to say that as well. I bought quite a lot of back issues, um, but and yeah, I think I we need to sort that out. A, and I, a back issue dealer at a convention, don't we? Definitely, yeah. I mean, if a comic convention isn't the place you can go buy comics, what is the point of it? You know, um, and I think from the point of view of going forward, I think we, we're still stuck in that trap of um, American guests and European guests getting here. I think that's still going to continue to be an issue. And even if it stops being an issue for three months, is it going to be an issue in another six months, which is, you know, the projections they're doing for inviting guests, and I think that's still an issue. There are a lot of British creators who can be invited to these things, and a lot of them seemingly aren't just on that in-the-know list, 
you know, there's a lot of people I would have liked to have seen at, at Thor Bubble. Dan Cornwall wasn't there, was he? I would think he, you know, he's definitely a rising star in British comics. He could yeah. do with being there. Yeah, there's. I think, I think that the, the the guest issue will be the problem. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean, hopefully next May twenty two we'll be in Bristol at Lawless Convention. Ah, um, uh, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that's got a great uh, lineup of of proposed guests at the moment. I guess. Um, let's hope we're in a safer, easier world by then. Although, as you say, this nightmare just continues, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, I, looking at the list of that, I think most of them are UK-based, don't they? I'm thinking. Yeah, I think so. so yes. Yeah, yeah, should be all right. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that one, man. We're not tabling or anything at like that, so I do like going and just wandering around as a punter. It's good fun. Yeah, I know you like to queue up. You like to queue up to get autographs, don't you? But uh, well, yeah. I used to do that a lot when I was collecting cha- signatures for charity projects. I'm still working on one of them at the moment. Although my uh, queuing experience right. at Thought Bubble was not. Um, not great, as I think I told you. <laughs> I, had, I had some bad experiences. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in fact, the best experience I had at Thought Bubble was with a um, uh, a creator called Alice Oseman, who I'd never heard of before I went there. So you know, that was, you know, nothing to do with 2000 AD at all. But that was the best time I had. Yeah. Um, the two th- the 2000 AD. Yeah, I'm you saying. Yeah, less less successful, unfortunately. <laughs> there's a story there you took some pictures of one of another yeah there's another story of you taking a picture of another creator and sending it to me which did make me laugh yeah one of your favourites who we won't mention for legal reasons (laughs) yeah (laughs) oh well let's hope we continue to get some form of convention in 22 and particularly that we get Lawless which has got that right balance I think of British creators some small press some back issues some dealers fingers crossed for that yeah Let's hope so. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I really do hope so. Yeah. Great stuff, Tony. Well, we've got another one of these to do because we're now doing one of your podcasts, but I'll, we'll sign off now. Thank you very much for giving up your time <laughs> the week before Christmas to talk about... Oh, thanks for having me back on, man. I do I do love your podcast. It has kept me um, company on many a car journey this summer. Yeah, thanks very so welcome, Tony. Likewise with yours. It's a great pleasure. Um, and thank you to everyone for listening to Mega City Book Club. As ever, find the links to all of Tony's projects at megacitybookclub.com. Follow the podcast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Spotify, the 2000 AD forums, and email me, mcbcpodcast at gmail.com. And that'll do us. Until next time, when we're passing judgment on another great book, it's goodbye from me and... It's goodbye from me. And stay awesome. (laughs) Bye.